0: All right, guys. So today on the front end podcast, we're going to be talking about Prisma and a bunch of random questions that Rob has. I've also got a friend of mine, Tristan, here as well. So I'll let them introduce themselves and then we'll get started.
1: So I'm Tristan. I'm the director of engineering at the DIP. I do all the front end. I do all the back end. It's just me right now. So, yeah, I'm happy to answer some questions on the front end back end blog.
2: Sweet. I, I don't have a title at my a current company. I think I'm considered a principal engineer, but I, I run all of the technology and then managing a team of four. Uh, and we've got a huge front-end stack and a huge back-end stack. And it's it's dated. And so I'm trying to to take it to the next step. And and that's where we, we all met.
0: Awesome. So if Rob, if you want to pull up the questions and we can get started, I could share my screen. That's okay. That sounds great.
2: Yeah, I'll kind of set the, the tone and, and how I got to talking with Tristan here and with Zach was, I noticed that they were talking, or Zach was talking about Prisma. And at my current company, we have two apps. We are using bookshelf.js, which is essentially wrapping around, it's an ORM wrapping around a query builder called the connect.js. Decided at some point we didn't like bookshelf enough, so we never even moved it into the other application. So that's actually just using connects by itself. So we have this hodgepodge of disparately built logic that one is very much ORM focused. We have a lot of nice like features from it, but we've also ran into a tremendous amount of problems. Bookshelf is okay. I'm not, gonna you know, disparate. It's helped us. It's gotten us to here, but I think it hasn't grown with us the way that we had hoped it would. I mean, because we didn't use it on the other app and the other app is actually even more SQL heavy and does a lot more transactional stuff. We've been looking at switch out to a different database engine, whether that's an ORM or an ORM query builder, whatever. And so that's where all of this started. I looked a couple of years ago at like type ORM and there was another one that was getting popular at the time that is not coming to my mind. Recently, I've been following Prisma a little bit. Don't know much. I know enough to probably be dangerous, but not enough to maybe start making the decision to whether we should pilot it or jump onto it. Transfer a production app to it, and could we do it easily? So that's why I started. Yeah, I think the big question initially, is it working similarly to these other SQL builder ORMs where they're using connects under the hood, or are they doing their own proprietary thing? What is the, the breakdown there?
0: I guess first, I want to just jump in and say, yeah, Prisma's quite different i think it does pretty much everything better which i think we'll get into detail here but also i want to throw out there that i am biased because i am a prisma <laughs> ambassador too i don't get any money or anything but they tweet if i post about prisma and they give me yeah. like random swag so that's cool but yeah i just want to get that out there and tristan do you have anything you wanted to mention
1: would you do they give you any SQL query builders yeah i for me i guess i'm like the middle where i've Mostly moved over to Prisma. I'm actually still running on a on a legacy setup a little bit. So when I started Dip, it was just me, and so I was making a lot of decisions like really quick because we needed to get something off the ground ASAP. I was familiar with Connects, and so I was like, I'll use that. And then I found this library that the man- the maintainers of Connects use called Objection. Oh, yes, that was the other one I was looking at.
0: I'd used that one in the past, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, you know what, this seems lightweight. I asked around, some people were like, yeah, objection's fine. And I'd agree, objection's fine. what ended up really getting me was just, like, the API is a little funky, but, like, mostly the biggest problem that I came to is we're a GraphQL app. And so the – what is it called? Like, the – n queries or whatever, the n query problem. N
0: N plus one sometimes that you can, yeah.
1: Yes, thank you. The N plus one. And so we were, I was working on some features and I was like, this is going to be like just N plus one calls And so I realized I was like looking at how to do it with objection. There was like no real way to do it. I was like, how can I make objection work with data loader do that? And there's no real obvious way. They were going to support data loader stuff and then they, the maintainer's objection were like, nah, not worth it. And yeah, so then I started looking into Prisma and definitely had a lot of conversations with Zach where he was like, you should do Prisma. And I was like, No, nah, okay, I don't know. And then I saw this talk by the guy who was the original creator and he's uh, some German guy. And uh, he gave a great talk. And so like the magic, like the secret sauce is that like you, the client for Prisma is that compiles and does all this nice TypeScript stuff and that's great, but it can send queries to, to a Rust layer and that Rust layer can batch them for you. And I was like, mm-hmm. that is something that no one else is doing. And I think I watched that talk like twice because it was so good. Yeah, you should definitely
2: link that in this somewhere. I'd love to watch it.
0: Yeah, I'd love for you to send that so I can put it in the podcast description.
1: Yeah, so it it was really cool, and I can get a little into specifically what about that spoke to me, but it's a tangent, and I don't know if tangents are okay (laughs) on the front-end blog.
0: Yeah, yeah, go for it.
1: Yeah, so I've been mostly a back-end developer, and the the dip was the first app that I really worked on that was a SQL-based one. I went with Postgres because I wasn't sure originally if I was going to join full-time, and I wanted to make sure I left them with something that anyone could work on. But at my previous job, I was working at Bustle and we built this graph database on top of Redis and it was just insanely fast because it's like, it's basically the secret sauce is Redis. But uh, the one thing that we did that was smart is we made this special library called Redis Loader. And what it would do is you could just give it as many calls as you want. And then whatever you call an you know, await on the promises, it would get batched by data loader under the hood. And then it would get put into a multi-block sent to Redis. And so since Redis is single threaded, you can do all of these operations at once, get them back really quick because Redis is really quick. And so I I was used to having the ability to easily do like data batching. And that Mm -hmm. was how we solved the M plus one problem at And So like I had been looking all over like different SQL libraries and like the only other one I could find that was like, we use data loader to do SQL good was this like SQL monster or something. And the maintainers were like, we don't want to do this anymore. We want someone else to do this. And everyone was like, but we want new features. And so I was just like, that one's that one's a no. Yeah. And then Zach showed me Prisma and I was like, I do have some complaints about Prisma. But.
2: With every tool that we use, there's always a complaint.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, before you get too much into that, Rob, if you want to kind of go through some of the questions that you had sent me before this
2: podcast. I think the biggest one, well, I'll mention that I did obviously my my cursory study, but obviously I had a bunch of questions and I'll go through them. One of my things that caught my eye when I first looked at it way back when was one thing that I've been looking for a long time that I felt didn't exist. And I've seen random libraries come out or other tools that solve for it is a way to define the schema at one spot instead of constantly creating a new migration to say, I'm going to add this column and I'm going to do this and to make this change. I really loved, I've been always looking for something where I could just say, here is what the user table looks like and let the tool solve that for me. That's mm-hmm. what I've always been looking for. So it looks like, from what I understand, Prisma can definitely do that.
0: Um, yeah, I could speak on that a little. First, they have a tool for VS Code, which is really useful because if, say, in this like post model, you say that there's a user down here, just yep. like this. You could just say author and then user, and you can hit save and it will add the rest of this for you. So Ooh. you don't even have to fully understand their exact like syntax to be able to be productive really fast. And then in addition, it is really cool how using this makes migrations really easy. And yep. we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that is something that I think would speed up development significantly on our side. I think there's a lot of you know times we're trying to understand the data model and it's, we're trying to, especially now that we've been a production app for a number of years, people want to know why did this change happen? And looking through 12 migration files to understand the change, it's so much harder than if it was one file with a commit history, and we can understand a lot better. So that was a huge plus when I was looking at it. I think the, the next probably logical question is migrations and what do those look like I'd be curious to have either of you run through that or tell me what your experiences are or gotchas, things that you would be concerned about trying to move this into a production app.
0: Sure, I can go through the migration part a little bit. First, if you're already using another thing, I would recommend all you have to do in Prisma is say like DB pull, and then it populates your schema with whatever schema is currently in the database. So that's really helpful because you don't you get a jump start on your Prisma schema and you can just start from wherever you're at if you're already using another library then in addition the way you migrate is really cool anytime you change the schema when you're locally changing the schema file right after you're done you run prisma migrate dev this will automatically look at the diff before and after and it will make a new migration file unlike next where you would manually write that migration file that like adds a column removes a column it's just going to calculate that for you and make a new file and now when you're on production you just run prisma migrate i forget the exact command prisma yeah. migrate i think without the dev on the end something like that um, here it is prisma migrate deploy and that just makes sure like it will check and run your migrations and everything i know one of your questions that you asked and yeah actually this might go over it better here like it 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 doesn't detect drift in case you change something else it doesn't reset the database So it's a safe way to run it in case something's happened. It's not going to like mess up your database completely. But one of the things to think about is you don't really want to do anything that's backwards incompatible. They have a few Mm -hmm. different examples here. If you're going to add a new column, they recommend add that new column, push out some code that adds to that column and the old column, and then push out another release that removes the old column after that.
2: That's a great that's a great point because I'll say that early on when I started here we would delete columns and it would all be at the same time. we would we would go ahead and say we're going to drop this column move migrate the data from column you know a to column B or, or whatever the, the scenario was. but we've actually implemented a manual or, or just a, a rule that hey, if we're gonna get rid of a column we're actually going to deprecate it first then essentially, continue running it in production and then move to the new column after so that we don't get into that scenario where we would go to production and have to roll back. We, we're trying to avoid that scenario. And we don't release like every day or anything like that, but it's still, if it went bad, it would be a pain for us to roll back. And so we've been trying to, to follow that same pattern. So having it built in is actually a nice pattern.
0: Yeah. And I just want to call this out. I have it in, uh, in front of me. They go over expanding and contracting. That's what they call the pattern. So add it So you expanded it by adding a new one, create the migration by running migrate dev, it automatically spits out the SQL for you, make sure it's all good, and then update your application to use the new field, and then finally contract, remove that old field, and run another migration, so.
1: Oh, very cool,
2: yeah. Cool. It's nice to have a name for it too, because I just called it deprecating, but I like the expand contract.
1: Uh, Tristan, go ahead. I think deprecating is a little, clearer than expanding contract. I was just gonna say, I think this is pretty neat. I, I actually am not using Prisma migrations yet. Cause I just like, I'm half moved over because I, there are a few things that Prisma doesn't support because of the version of Postgres I'm on. So like I can't, and also like, their transactions I think they finally caved to community you, pressure and are going to add like better transactions.
0: That actually just came out. So we'll go over that too when we get to it.
1: Yeah, because that that was one of my yeah. big
2: questions was transaction support.
1: I was on their GitHub issues being like, why don't you support real transactions? And they were like, this is a better pattern. And I'm like, don't tell me what to <laughs> But no, they're very responsive to the community. Even if I don't always agree with them, they're at least much more considerate than like other projects. So I, I will give that to them.
0: Yeah, it's insane. They push out features so fast. I find it insane. But before we move on, since you mentioned transactions, we could go over this and see what you think. I don't know if you've seen the like final, how it ended up. So yeah, you have this like Prisma dot transaction block and it just gives you access to Prisma, just like you already have. And then in here you can run your queries and if something goes wrong, it, it will roll back for you.
1: Man, people were had this in the comments on their issue for years being like, why don't we just do
2: this? Out of curiosity, what what were they doing before?
1: It was like this weird thing where you could give them like, you would give them a, like you'd have a transaction array where you would call Prisma within that. And it only supported like certain calls Mm. and you couldn't do, you couldn't do work in between those calls. Let's say you were like, okay, I need to do something and update this user's account information and I need to update some other stuff. I'm gonna go to Stripe while making this transaction, and then I don't know. There's no way to talk to like third-party APIs or anything mm. like that. You just could only do Prisma Prisma commands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great change. I'm glad they put that in.
0: <laughs> so, Rob, what's next?
2: Yeah, obviously, transaction blocks was a, was a big one that we use just because we're dealing with money, and so we we have to be more item potent and really pay attention. Another thing that, as at least at my company, auditing is huge, right? So every action that takes place, we essentially record to a log file and a long database completely separate from our current database to make sure that we know everything that's ever happened. And that's part of what we are required to do as part of the, our our agreements with all the different partners that we work with and the SEC and whatnot. So yeah, so, so middleware or or hooks or or whatever you want to call them. I think bookshelf calls them hooks. I know there's a bunch of different names, but yeah, I'd be curious. What does it support? Has anybody had any uses or any uh, experience with them? Uh, Any gotchas?
0: Yeah. So I guess I'll start. I don't have much experience with them other than the fact that I feel like they're very similar to express in a way, like you get the mm-hmm. params and the next, when you're done, you call next and you can do stuff before or after by waiting on next. And they have a few examples where they have like soft delete middleware. Mm-hmm. And I think you mentioned just logging middleware and this one is pretty simple. They set oh, up cool. the date yeah. now. Yeah. Wait for it to finish then after and they can store how long it took. So I think it's very flexible in that regard.
1: I'm, Pretty sure. Yeah, I do have some around some actions just to make sure that, make sure I always set updated at and created mm-hmm. at those sort of timestamp fields. I just use it for that. Seems pretty simple.
2: That, so for example, bookshelf is opinionated enough that they actually set created and updated by default when you call like a new or up or save. So is Prisma not as opinionated in that sense?
0: you can definitely do that and you can default fields to like default a date field if i can pull up in the schema
1: am i doing it a dumb way (laughs) because i remember looking in the docs and it was like use like dollar sign use thing
0: so i was just saying it's like right here created at you can set it to default and then also if you didn't default these and you put them as required like it's optional if there's a, a question mark obviously but if you
1: but i think this is different you're right. That's what this is doing. But I think this is um, what I'm talking about is, yeah. So created at isn't necessarily the easy example But what this is doing is this is that's part of your schema. And so that's going to like, when you insert a around your schema, like when you run this schema, it'll set rules on your table in Postgres and Postgres will be the one that does the default, I think. Because I think what Rob was talking about was like you update or you update some row, you want to make sure you've changed and updated at timestamp. I'm not sure Prisma does that by default it, and that's why I did the use.
2: It way. might not. And, and to be honest, I can't think of a ton of opportunities or op scenarios. Really, it's really those created at updated at and deleted at are the only ones that I think would ever really have that. Oh yeah. It looks like they yeah. did it
0: though. Just to remember for the audio listeners who aren't watching video, like they do have an at updated at parameter for the schema that will automatically update whenever the record changes.
1: Yeah. I guess I'm either not good at reading the doc, but I'm also probably behind Prisma by a few versions.
2: Yeah. That's a nice one. Yeah. It's interesting because it's interesting that the middleware is like more like express. I wasn't expecting that. I'd be, I don't, can't think of a scenario off the top of my head why you would want to, I guess you you could do some validation and that's why you might fail before or after. Speaking of
0: that though, I will say for the most part, the TypeScript stuff takes care of the validation.
2: That's a sidebar real quick. So our app was built before TypeScript. It was started when TypeScript was becoming popular-ish, but not to where it is now. And so we've just started moving to TypeScript and that has been It's just been a game changer. And so I can't wait to actually have it and connected to the database in some way.
1: Do you have any it's amazing. Do you have any juniors on your team? I'm curious because I've been having these discussions with some people and they're like TypeScript is like really not worth it and like juniors can't work on it. And I'm just like, why not? The language. Yeah. Juniors need to write something in a language. Yeah, again,
2: complete sidebar. I actually try to for better or for worse, I hate the term junior because I think it, it leads to bad people's beliefs. However to what you're saying, I'm a big believer that people that I'm looking to hire, right? It's not so much about the language. It's about what are your, para- what paradigms do you understand? How do you think? I hope that you came to work for me or I came to work for you. It doesn't matter if I'm a type expert or if I know only JavaScript, I can learn it. We don't have anybody super junior, but we did recently. They did struggle a little bit because it doesn't seem typed, or at least their education or wherever they were learning, didn't really spend a lot of time talking about types and why it was important. And I will be the first to admit that even I, as much as I loved the type language, I did struggle with moving to TypeScript a couple of years ago when we tried, not because of TypeScript, but because of how much additional tooling it took, that's the whole JavaScript frustration sometimes, right? It's like, now I've got ESLint, uh, Webpack, right? Babel and TypeScript, and if you mess it up or if something doesn't work right, could cause a huge problem but i think we waited long enough that all of those problems got resolved and now we've been able to merge in because we still have babel as like the base and we're just using typescript to type but it's still it's just light years better
0: yeah and speaking of that i just wanted to say back in the day like four or five years ago (laughs) tooling was a lot more of a pain to set up and now there's so much awesome stuff like next where you can pretty much just name a file.ts and it all just works.
1: Yeah. I've been using this library TS eager on the back end to do a lot of stuff. And it is so fast. It can do, it can, it can do TypeScript. I'm pretty sure it's a TypeScript filing. I have to look it up now, but yeah. So it uses ES build under the hood, but you get uh, TS type checking and it's just so fast to start. Highly recommend it. You know, this is, again, total sidebar. Mm-hmm on the back end front end blog. I think they're all. it all yeah. relates.
2: We're getting to the point where everything's starting to match in some way. XJS is definitely a breaking division.
1: I, what I was going to say is since we're on this TS kick, it, that's like one of the big reasons for me that I went with Prisma was it was just like out of the box. Hey, we created this amazing client that statically analyzed this file and now we know all your types and integrate perfectly. I ended up Pairing it with a sister project of theirs called uh, Nexus, and Nexus allows you to write your GraphQL schema in TypeScript mm. with a, a little like API for it, and that plus Prisma is just like—it's amazing. It, the yeah, <laughs> Nexus generates my like resolvers for uh, generates all the types for my resolvers, mm. generates my GraphQL schema. Prisma generates my database schema. And the, here's my client. It's just, I have to type like almost no types. They're just like all auto-generated for me. They like 80% of the types in my back end are completely generated.
2: That to developer procti- productivity, I think that's key, right? That's where typing, yeah. and especially on the back end, I really big on typing. I'll do this one last piece. The only reason I was so reluctant initially to do TypeScript and building on the back end is because once, if you don't set it up correctly in Webpack, then all of a sudden it becomes harder to debug because it's been not necessarily minified, but the source maps, if you don't have it, there's, we ran into a lot of configuration issues back in the day. And so now that it's so much better and I've been able to, to migrate our, our, app there i feel much better but it it took a while
1: yeah i agree configuration has always been probably the biggest challenge it could
0: still be a little annoying with putting stuff up to sentry and sending your source maps there and making sure the source maps have all the full ts stuff all that stuff can be a pain
2: yeah i've written a lot of uh little process stuff during deployment to make sure that it's somewhat good it's not perfect but it's better than it was so I was going to, I was going to add something there, but I forget. So anyways, we'll move on. Yeah. I think that we definitely covered the transaction blocks, the middleware. I think those were my, my two big things. And I think again, migration is really interesting, especially the fact that. I think they're making that delineation going back to migrations, making the delineation of you do the schema change first and figure out data at a different time and then do the deprecate or the, what do they call it? The, I already forget the cool. Contract. Contract and expand. Do the contract at the end there. I think the only other thing I'd be curious if either of you in your time spent with it, there's times where no matter what, with an ORM, sometimes your data model gets complex. You run into some weird issues and you have to revert back to custom SQL. I I don't know if, if either of you have found that to be a common case. Is it less in the time that you've spent with Prisma? It sounds like there's obviously still some things that you can't do in Prisma and that's, that's just the way it is. I'd be curious to hear more.
0: So I could speak to this one. I actually pulled up this GitHub issue because it's what I always think of when people ask this. You'll see I actually was like the first comment on here too. So this was only back in February. You couldn't order by an aggregate like count.
2: Oh, uh, that's hilarious that you brought it up because that would have been my number one follow-up after you did this because that's something we do. We do a lot of order by aggregates.
0: Yeah. Our app. Yeah, long story short is you can do this now, but I just want to point this out. Like you weren't able to do this just a few months ago, list of towns ordered by the number of users in each town. And so Mm -hmm. I was shocked at the time that you couldn't do this, but turns out they were already working on adding this as a preview feature. And I don't think the syntax ended up being exactly like this. I could pull it up from Mm -hmm. the docs if you're curious. I've used it now a few times. So now you can do aggregate counts. And so my example here is really that they're super responsive. If there's a feature that's not supported, they add it pretty quickly. But even if they don't, I think I have it here somewhere. Using the raw query is very easy. So if you really need to just drop down to SQL, you can.
2: Yeah, and, and part of that is because, like I said, we, we have an ORM on one app. We don't have the ORM on the other. Even though we built up what I would call the most bare bones ORM on the one that doesn't have bookshelf. We still defaulted back to a lot of raw queries. So what I was thinking is over time, hopefully we can remove some of those raw queries and just keep the really complex ones that are doing significant load for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But I I really liked your point to how responsive they were, because obviously when I'm looking at a new dependency to bring in, especially something critical on the back end like the database or whatever, it's nice to see experiences that others have had and, and what's their, what was it like opening up an issue on GitHub, how quickly did it get resolved? Right. Obviously, I know that it's amazing they do it for free. Thank you to all of them, but it's also one thing we have to look at.
0: Yeah, and I want to just p- point out too: it was only two weeks later that they had it closed. Or wait, that was another <laughs> That's issue. Crazy. So let's see. Fe- the feature was merged a month, like a month and a half. I'll take that. Yeah, not bad.
2: In 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 the realm of that moving to Prisma, so Tristan, it sounds like you have, you've had some experience, right? Where you're taking an existing app, are you running 50-50, You think right now more more prisma than whatever your previous solution was
0: while we're waiting i will just chime in with this in addition to running the migrate command when you make changes when you're in development and maybe you're adding a field and then five minutes later deciding to change the name you don't have to actually like create migrations you can just run db push and it will constantly just push any change without actually making a migration file so that's really nice
2: yeah that's really key because i think as developers right we always want to We start with a name and then five minutes later you're like ah that's a terrible name i'm gonna do this one now so Mm -hmm. having to redo that twice is quite nice
1: whoa there we go i think i unmuted myself i kept clicking that thing you had apparently double click it um sorry so you're asking me if like how much moved over i am
2: yeah and what your experience was or you know what just any gotchas anything
1: i got some gotchas i think the biggest one is so i'm running on Aurora RDS for Aurora Postgres and I'm on version like 11 and so I think right after I had selected 11, they Amazon came out with a later version that I need to migrate to, but it's one of those things that like I'm terrified to migrate that and I know a really good ops guy who I'm just like waiting to get some budget and be like, hey, can you upgrade my database for me? But the problem is on 11, there's this feature that I use in... in in Postgres to do this like really cool graph stuff called L-tree. And it basically- I've heard of it, yep. Yeah, it basically does some like cool stuff with a string and then it can like sort, do this like really fast sorting of, of the tree and give you stuff. And so we use that for a commenting system on the dip and it worked great with objection, but the problem is that on the version of Postgres I'm in, the driver, or Postgres can only return like UTF-8 characters on that feature, but Prisma relies on binary output and like mm. binary input. And so I can't use Prisma for that one feature. So I've I gotten stuck with with this until I get that database updated. I also think they, I've been asking like, hey, can you guys support L-Tree stuff and they seemed not to be into it. I think this is probably my biggest gripe with them is that I feel like they're just trying to cover too many different kinds of databases. I get, I would love it if they just covered Postgres, honestly, and they just made a really awesome Postgres ORM, but I get SQL, but now they do Mongo and I'm just like, I, it's just, there's such different features. It's like, how do you cross support everything? I, I guess you can't. So there's, I, I think I might be stuck with Connect for a while um, and, and objection, but I'm My ideal right now is like new code gets written in Prisma wherever I can. And Mm -hmm. I just need to update my Prisma version, I think, to get some new features.
2: Run it simultaneously, right, in production. I I obviously don't know what your stack looks exactly, but maybe Mm -hmm. is it more monorepo-y in the sense that you just have an express app, right? So are you just have, you know, two connections then to the database kind of running with your, each of your servers or or whatever the, you know, pooling looks like?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So far I've had no cooling issues, having both of them running in production. Cool. I've been worried about it, but it's actually been totally fine.
2: No, that, that's a good to know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Cause that's
2: one of the things is I expect that as we do it, we're not going to turn it all off at once. We're going to do small pieces here and there until we get to a certain point.
1: Yeah. I'd say I've been running at least six months in the hybrid state. I think I did it in February or March, maybe even over the winter. So it's been a while, and I've had no complaints from from that.
0: And that app gets a lot of traffic too.
1: Yeah, it does. I, I think the other thing is, I I think so because it uses Rust as the client. They have their own like database pooling stuff that like is really mostly out of your reach. Whereas like I know Connects and everything else basically just goes back to is it the direct it's PG pool or something? Oh no, it's PG Bouncer. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah but no issues. I'm not sure if it's because it doesn't use PG Bouncer or if it's just AWS is like awesome connection support. Could be both. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. It's good to know. I think the only, it sounds just with anything, there's always gonna be some things that maybe you were using or you're using that the third party tool that you're bringing in, maybe that hasn't supported or hasn't worked on yet. Have either of you had any JSON columns that you've had to work with? That's something we started doing a little bit more recently. And we're doing that for a couple things and I'd be curious what Prisma support looks like for that because I know bookshelf bookshelf could barely do it and I had to hack it in.
0: Yeah, I don't work with JSON fields too much. I want to say I have one or two that I've used and it hasn't been super recent, but from what I remember, yeah, it parses it and everything for you as long as your database supports the JSON field. Yep. Then you're all good. You can just add it here and you can spit JSON into it and out of it. They also have, you can query by it and they have
2: a video here. I
0: was oh, wondering nice. if they have any examples. Yeah, like you can do where queries, where the JSON,
2: certain stuff. Oh, so that'd be nice because it, a... that did not support that. And so that would we would have to end up writing custom SQL or maybe it does now, but when I last set it up, it, it did not. And so we yeah. ended up writing custom SQL to do some filtering.
1: I, I do remember they, there was like a couple of releases ago, they had this really big push to support as many native column type as possible. So I'm pretty sure like, JSON was like one of the most requested ones. And then like I was like, saying, I was like, hey, what about Altree? And they're like, no. Nah. I was like, yeah, okay, I
0: get that. And it goes to a JSON B type. So want to throw that
2: out yep. there on Postgres. That's it, yeah, we have. We're using, uh, we don't use Postgres. I, I'd like to switch to it at some point, but that's uh, to your point about needing an ops guy and making sure we don't have any downtime and thinking about all of that. It's, uh yeah, that's a de- problem for another day. Yeah, <laughs>
1: so. I know a great ops guy, so. Let me know.
2: Yeah, I've got other questions. been running into this Elastic Beanstalk issue trying to update our Node, and we were using Yarn, and we, we have a very strictly setup, and so trying to figure out how what's my order of operations here. Do I remove the strictness of the engine, update to the newest version of Node on our application version, and then switch it on Elastic Beanstalk? Anyways, uh, mm-hmm. just things I've got going on in my head all the time. No, I think uh, this is awesome. I, I, I definitely chatted about or we definitely chatted about all the questions that i had and i I think this was super awesome and helpful
1: cool yeah
2: it was great meeting you man yeah yeah great meeting both of you thank you guys for for taking the time